Haunted houses. You either love them or you hate them. Or you love to hate them. Yeah, I'm looking at you, all you weirdos who like to scare yourself for fun. Have you ever wondered where this even started? Who was the first person who was like, Dude, let's get the house like really dark and like make it really creepy and just like lure kids in there and let's try to scare the pee out of them. No, you, you never, you never wondered about that? Well, I'm going to tell you anyways, because that's what I'm here for. Answering all the questions you never had before you clicked on one of my episodes. And now you have to listen because it's going to bother you until you find out. Hey y'all, I'm Christina, and this is History and Hearsay. On this show, we explore inspiring and sometimes dark and mysterious characters and events from history. So if that's something you're into, go ahead and subscribe, because when it comes to history, things may not always be as they appear. And on this show, you get to decide, is it history or is it hearsay? On October 31st, 1933, hundreds of young boys flipped cars, sawed off telephone poles, and vandalized towns all across America. This was right in the midst of the Great Depression, and people began calling that year Black Halloween, kind of how the stock market crash was called Black Tuesday. The damages done on Black Halloween were so bad that some towns wanted to ban the holiday altogether. Some parents got together and decided to come up with a plan that would keep the treats coming without all the tricks. But before we get into this magical plan that these parents came up with, let's take a look back just a bit further into history. The idea behind haunted houses is nothing new, but... Haunted houses as a concept are intrinsically linked to Halloween itself, and many people believe that Halloween would not be the same without them. The origins of the haunted house date back to 19th century London. In 1802, Marie Toussaint scandalized British audiences with an exhibit of wax sculptures of decapitated French figures, including King Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. The likenesses were remarkable, remarkably, remarkably, ugh, talking is so hard, you guys. They were very accurate. The likenesses were very accurate because Madame Tussauds was the one who made death masks for French Revolution's mini guillotine victims. And if you don't know what a death mask is, <laughs> Get with the times, but no, a death mask was actually a way that they used to capture the likenesses of dead individuals. They would make a mold of their face after they were dead, and then they would put like plaster or wax or something in it. And this was like a more accurate way to get a portrait back before there were cameras. And they had old portraits, but I'm sure that took a lot longer and they weren't going to waste that on some dead guy. Madame Toussaint. I'm, I'm probably going to say her name a hundred times and probably saying it wrong. I looked up pronunciation, but you know, like I said, talking's hard. So that's why I decided to come on here and talk because I like to do hard things. Anyway, she set up a permanent London exhibit and she dubbed her grotesque collection, the Chamber of Horrors. And that name is stuck with the Wax Museum until this day. At the turn of the 20th century, the Grand Quignol Theater in Paris became notorious for its own stage graphic depictions, and the theater's director, Max Murray, famously boasted that he judged each performance by the number of people in the audience who passed out from shock. Some cutting-edge stuff right there. In 1915, an English fairground in Liphook 
debuted one of the very first ghost houses, which was an early type of commercial horror attraction. The public's appetite for horror was picking up. In the episode I did on poison candy, we talked a bit about the history of Halloween and trick-or-treating. So if you're interested in that one, go check it out. But we talked about how Irish and Scottish immigrants in the 1800s brought with them the tradition of trick-or-treating. I kind of just skimmed over the tricks element to the trick-or-treating part. But back in the day, that was a big part of the Halloween tradition. In 1879, about 200 boys in Kentucky stopped a train by laying a fake stuffed body across the railroad tracks. And in 1900, students from the University of Michigan stole a headless corpse from the anatomy lab and they propped it up against the building's front doors. So fast forward to the 1930s. Trick-or-treating was really starting to catch on. The Great Depression was in full swing, and some say the stress that families were under just to put food on the table was really being passed along to the children. And this is what caused the trick-or-treating pranks of young boys to go from harmless fun to mildly annoying to downright vandalism. There were plenty of people who didn't see the trick-or-treating tricks as harmless fun even before the Great Depression. So add in the stress of the Depression with the increase in the severity of young men's Halloween antics, and you've got yourself some police reports where you used to have some heavy sighs and eye rolls. Traditionally, it was very common for young boys to do things like steal the garden gate and put it on their roof. And while this was annoying, there seemed to be an understanding that the boys would get their laughs and then return the next day to replace the gate back where they found it. Maybe I'm a fuddy-duddy, but I feel like that would be more than just mildly annoying myself personally. One Boys Craft Guide, because apparently that used to be a thing, said, This is the only evening on which a boy can feel free to play pranks outdoors without danger of being pinched. And it is his delight to scare passing pedestrians, ring doorbells, and carry off the neighbor's gates. According to the guide, even if a boy had to fetch the gates he stole out of the tree he left it in, the punishment is nothing compared to the sports the pranks have furnished him. Man, people do not talk the same way anymore. So while not everyone thought it was funny, it sounds like people generally went along with it because ultimately everything was put back in order the next day. But the issue arose on that fateful Halloween 1933 when young boys took it just a bit too far. Maybe it was the stress of the depression and the need to blow off a little extra steam than normal, or maybe they were just on a major sugar crush. Either way, hundreds of young boys all over the country switched from their normal Halloween mischief into an all-out vandalism, physical assaults, and sporadic acts of violence. They flipped over automobiles, sawed down telephone poles, and even taunted the police, which may not seem that bad to you now, but kids were actually raised to be respectful back then, especially to authority figures. So I'm sure this was extremely scandalous and very concerning to their parents. So in response to this, you had entire towns calling for Halloween to be banned. Everybody was coming over to Karen's side, but there were others who thought that the tradition of Halloween could be salvaged if they only were to put together some organized events. Parents put their heads together and started organizing parties, costume parades, and haunted houses to keep young boys entertained and out of trouble. 
American families realized they could make their own fun with just some dark rooms, cardboard cutouts, and stringy fake spiderwebs. Suddenly, haunted events were happening in people's basements, attics, and family rooms on tight budgets and with a community element. Lisa Morton, author of Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, says that these first haunted houses were very primitive. Groups of families would decorate their basements and hold house-to-house parties. Kids could spook themselves by traveling from basement to basement and experiencing different scary scenes. In a 1937 party pamphlet, they described to parents how they could design a trail of terror to spook their children. And it suggested they hang up pieces of fur and liver to scare kids who were trying to feel their way along in the dark, like along the wall, and they would like touch it, freak them out. They also suggested having weird moans and howls coming from all corners of the house. And another idea they had was to hang wet sponges and hair nets from the ceiling so they would brush like the kids' faces as they walked or crawled through the dark. Kids would go about their neighborhood trick-or-treating and stop at several of these homemade haunted houses along the way. These early American haunted houses were small residential neighborhood affairs, like I said, and this actually went on for decades before larger organizations began to host their own haunted houses as fundraisers or commercial attractions. I'm sure once they realized there was money to be made, they came out running. The most famous and influential of these haunted attractions was Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, which opened in 1969. Walt Disney actually worked on the early concepts of the Haunted Mansion for years, but he never actually got to see it completed. This was the first major Disney attraction to open without the direct supervision of Walt Disney himself. Construction for the Haunted Mansion began in 1961, and the exterior of the attraction was completed in 1963. But then they kind of took a break for a little while, and it was unoccupied all the way till 1969 because Walt Disney and his Imagineers were participating in the 1964 and 65 New York World's Fair. And this experience of the World's Fair actually had them come back with some new technology that ended up being used in the Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion experience takes you into the portrait chamber where there are ghosts and the chamber begins to stretch and then once it stops stretching you're brought into a hallway filled with eerie lighting and transformative portraits and after that you go in a doom buggy where your ghost host greets you and prepares you to take you on a haunting journey your tour of the mansion offers a ghastly glimpse into the afterlife it includes a seance a ghostly party in the grand hall complete with dancing and a birthday cake followed by a trip up to the attic. And the tour ends in the graveyard where the ghosts of the haunted mansion have gathered for a singing wake. Within a week of the haunted mansion's opening, Disneyland celebrated a new record for the highest attendance in a single day. As illustrated by Disney's Haunted Mansion, America's haunted attractions have only become more and more elaborate over the years. And these haunted houses have become more and more frightening and more gory as these traditions have become more geared towards adults and less and less towards children. American Haunts estimates that there are over 1,200 haunted attractions that charge admission fees, but 
As in the Great Depression, there are still plenty of small-scale haunts in American neighborhoods that parents put on for free using their own homes, yards, and imaginations. So what do you guys think of haunted houses? Is this something you grew up with? Did you guys have this in your neighborhood or did you enjoy going to them if you did? I don't really have any stories of this personally because we didn't celebrate Halloween going, growing up and we really don't anymore. We usually just go to like our church's fall festival if, if the church we're at has one. I actually don't do much when it comes to celebrating Halloween since I avoid anything demonic as like a general rule for my life. But I would really love to visit some old historic mansions. If you guys couldn't tell, I love like historic things in history. So I think that would be fun. If you've ever been to a haunted house, let us know down below which one's your favorite. Or if you have experience with these homemade haunted houses, those sound really fun to me because I love anything that's like family theme element with like, you know, just, just good, clean fun of like adults having fun and a parents getting to scare their kids. It just sounds fun, you know? And obviously this was mainly the history of haunted houses in America. If you're from another country and you know the history there, I would love to hear about it. So if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. Or if you're listening to the podcast version of this episode, leave us a review and tell a friend. If everybody tells one person about this podcast, it'll be a success. And that's all we want, right? That's all we all want. Yes. And go ahead and hit thumbs up and agree with me on that if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe if you're not already and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon.